Pull up a stool and pour yourself a pint as you're about to join three intrepid drinkers, Kevin, Justin, and Mark, as they embark on another beer-tastic voyage. Hi, everybody. Quick note about this episode. It's the second half of our interview with Paul Comsick from Brickhouse Brewery. If you haven't listened to the first one, head back to episode 30. You mentioned the connection between uh, chefs and brewers and things. Um, any of the beers here go into the food? And is you ever make anything with a plan to say, like, hey, we could cook this with this? Um, yeah, you know, like when the Breakfast Brown was out, uh, we were doing a big push with our brunch menu uh, for that. Um, Mark's our, a big fan of waffles. Beer <laughs> in the waffle batter. Oh, you you could you could just pour that beer on top of a waffle and you're set. Like that's for sure. <laughs> that would work um, really nice. I like it. I, level. That's even yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's on point for sure. Um, we were actually like, you know, for an extra dollar, you could get like a four ounce glass, like with like you know your waffle uh, yeah. of the breakfast brown. Um, our barbecue sauce we make with our nitro stout. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was or, gonna say I know you use the know the nitro stout and a lot of other things like the. Uh, I don't uh, know. I don't know if it's a regular menu item, but I know that there's like a short ribs braised in. Yes, the yes, yes, yeah. Our short ribs are braised in that. Um, we have a beer mussels that I think is still on the menu. Right. <laughs> uh, that 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 we do in the stout as well. Uh, all of our beer batter is done with the street light. We use the red uh, a fair amount here and there in some of the cooking. Um, the red is a good cooking beer as well. Um, you know, cooking with beer is a lot of fun. You can get a lot of great flavors. Uh, but, you know, just like with brewing, like the longer you boil, the hops add more bitterness. It's almost like the same thing with beer. So you you want to kind of keep that in mind. And in general, keep away from IPAs uh, unless you, like, intentionally want that flavor. Yeah, uh, unless you're going to, so, like, take the IPA and then dilute it further. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a good place uh, to You know, like, onion, to like caramelized onions in, like, IPA reduction are good. But, like, you know... You really want to plan like your IP game properly. You're going to concentrate um, whatever flavor it is with the reduction. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. you don't yeah. like, like, you don't like to, that. Trying you're to make a like pan it. sauce with an IPA is a bad idea. Yeah. yeah. You know, and the other thing I found too with like the Hefeweizens or like the, the Belgians that have that big banana bubblegum flavor, that banana bubblegum will like exponentially explode <laughs> in, in Take whatever over anything, huh? it, yeah. it really will. And that, that flavor, like I enjoy a little bit of ba- uh, banana, maybe a tiny bit of, bit of uh, bubblegum, but in general, I find that flavor when it's in like big quantities to almost be a little nauseating for me. Um, I'd agree with you on that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it just gets like so much. It's like, oh. <laughs> I, can, I can understand I how it fly. gets over. I, I mean, I like that flavor, but, but I can yeah. definitely understand how it gets overwhelming fast. You know, like, what is it? Like, uh, like the, the Vine Stefaner half, you know, it's got that. Yes. Great, like, balance. You know, I mean. Yeah can't go wrong with that you know like i do like that banana clove but it's got to be also thank you for pronouncing that because i had no idea how to pronounce the name (laughs) of that brewery vine stefaner is a phenomenal brewery i mean i love the bottles that it comes in yeah 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 yeah. it's a sexy bottle for sure you know speaking of uh, beers that aren't yours can you give us an idea of um again when you're not drinking uh brickhouse beer what what do you what do you go to i mean you know what are your favorites both local and potentially you know everywhere um I mean, who doesn't love Yada? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That's a good one, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really, uh, a lot of times, like, I'm just going to the store blind and just kind of seeing, like, you know, what's hitting home. I had a a stone uh, pineapple and tangerine IPA. That was really, really phenomenal. Uh, my assistant brewer brought me back a, uh, a pineapple sour from Colorado. Uh, pineapple is one of my favorite fruits. My girlfriend's allergic, so I don't oh. – That's like usually I cook with it a lot, but uh, – so so I'll have some fun with it like outside of that. But pineapple is actually one of those fruits that I've 
thought about brewing with, but I just thought it'd be too crazy. And then I've had a bunch of beers with it lately, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's not something that you see a lot in beer. <laughs> no, no, it's is not. Is it something that they brew with, or is it a like an ester that's produced? Like I know, no, like, no, you get no, the banana like actual... flavor. There's no bananas in it. Like, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I think there are some like strains of Brett that could, you know, kind of hit some of those pineapple notes. But no, these were actual like, oh, okay. like brewed wow, that's, with pineapple. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I'd love to kind of mess around with that a little bit. Um, you know. Dogfish Head has always been a fan favorite. Like I said, they they were the ones that kind of like got me in the game to a certain degree. And I actually got to meet Sam last year. Who, nice. Like I never yeah. thought I'd get to meet him, and he yeah. was like the coolest dude ever. That was like really really huge for me. And, and I told him flat out, I was like, "You wrote that line. <laughs> I wouldn't be here if you didn't." Thank yeah. you. Um, trying to think, what others kind of put me on the spot? Oh, you know what? Like the the blind bat sweet potato saison. Oh, I haven't had that yeah. one. But that's one we yeah. Sweet potato is my favorite food, and I bought like two cases of it last year for him, and actually like checked a case in, into the city for a bunch of my friends because they wanted it, and they were like, "Yo, Paul, get this for me." <laughs> I've but, uh, I've enjoyed everything that I've had from uh, uh, Paul over there, but I've not had that one. It is definitely okay. one of the ones that I would like to get my hands on. I got to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, the social media after the farmer's market started up again this year. Yeah, we but, definitely have to. We have to try to compel him to, like, maybe give us first dibs or something. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and I think the, um, you know, the mustache uh, milk and honey brown is probably, That's like, really my favorite, one, like, yeah. standard that they That's have. Really but I really think that their cream ale, the, the lawn, is, like, the best light beer on Long Island. Oh, uh, really? Far. Yeah, I, I, I don't like the lawn. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah? I'm going to respectfully disagree with you okay. on that one. That it was not think, my favorite beer. I think beer. that that brings in, for at least for us, the uh, the, that, the idea of the, the freshly cut grass and stuff. I mean, it's it, it's one of those cases where I think the style just is, doesn't fit with us, and it's um it still seems to be, like you were saying, exactly what that beer is supposed to be, which in the end, when you're brewing something, if you hit the notes you're supposed to hit, then that's, that's perfect. The, you know, m- much like I was talking about, like, with, with my streetlight uh, earlier as far as like, you know, converting like those bud drinkers and whatnot. I mean, that beer it like is undeniable to a bud drinker, you know, oh, it's yeah, like, absolutely. like, you know, and, and, and you know, like that type of a thing is something that I would love to see come more and more into like Long Island breweries in the sense that everybody's got that friend that isn't a craft drinker that they want to be a craft drinker. But if you know that that brewery isn't going to have something for them, you can't bring them out. Yeah. If, if, you know, if you kind of know like, Oh, Hey, this brewery always has like something, easily digestible that's why uh, and i mean and, and like in in that regards that's why like, like that beer is like 100 percent undeniable right um and that and, and i'll be like flat out and i've even told them like after having that beer it made me analyze like my street light like damn i gotta make this better <laughs> <laughs> well it's like um, long but, ireland's breakfast out is like the beer that i give to somebody if they're like i don't like dark beers yeah like oh yeah Drink this, and that, that 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 one's like like three and a half percent for that. Yeah, that's a low ABV beer. It's yeah. low yeah, ABV. Yeah. It's but, not super thick, and it's got those coffee notes in it. And like my wife is one of those people that's like, oh, I don't like Guinness. It's too thick and dark for me. But she yeah, loves yeah. Long Island's breakfast no, out. That's a great beer. I only have. Uh, I don't want to call it a complaint. But the, I'd say that there's like an argument in like the, the breakfast beer industry where it's either like low ABV or like high ABV. Yeah. And with the breakfast brown that you were talking about before, it's like eight and a half percent. Yep. Um, people come in and they're like, eight and a half percent for breakfast? That's too much. I'm like, if I'm drinking a beer for breakfast, I'm going big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's uh, I have, that's what I would I, say. I have no but, complaints against that. But, uh, but no, I mean like, you know, that beer is solid. And again, like, you know, for a three and a half percent, you know, four percent stout, that will convert drinkers all day. Like, you know, 
all of a sudden they like dark beer. You yeah, know? It, and, it's definitely and all it, you need is that one gateway beer, like you know, for those people to realize you like, like yeah, beer. Not and, and every dark that. beer is the same. Like you need to try them because there are definitely ones out there that you're gonna enjoy. And yeah. if you don't, if you don't give it a try, you, you know, you're not gonna find those. Exactly. ABV is exactly. an, an interesting thing because for a while there, I think everything was going towards, you know, let's get to 10, 11, 12. And I mean, you have some stuff from Dogfish, which is one of my favorite ones now. With the amount of variety they put out for the size they are is incredible. But they have one out that's like 17 and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but you, now you're also seeing you're seeing people making more flavorful beers that are lower ABV, uh, darker beers, lower ABV. For instance, the Voodoo over at, um, it's a collab that uh, Great South Bay did, we recently had. I had had two or three of them and fi- realized it was only 4%, but the flavor that we got, it was, it was so great. And I think a lot of times people get a board and they see 11% and think that that's more flavor than a 4 well, I mean, are you doing anything to, um, like, on your recipe side to have a lower ABV beer that's, that's still, like, you know, has that same dark flavor? Um, you know, the, the, the porter that you just had, uh, that's, it was a similar flavor profile to the Mocha Stout, which was 8.8%, and that's only 5.2. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a totally different beer, but it, it hits those chocolate, those, like, kind of coffee-esque flavors. Um, I think, you know, the ABV in general kind of started coming down because, you know, breweries in general started opening up more tasting rooms and then they realized that, you know, sales were maybe like going down a little bit because at the end of the day, people can still only drink so much, right, you yep. know? And I try to like, you know, we have the Don Dapper on the board right now. It's 10 and percent. I'm not going to have anything on the board over seven and a half percent outside of like the birthday beer, which will hit in June, which, um, at that point we might have like a, le- a month or so left on, on the Don Dapper. But you know, if, if I have like, four 11% beers on the board, you're going to come in and have a beer and a half and go home. You know, I want you to like drink around the board. I want you to have a little bit more of an experience. So you do try to like me in general, like I try to like, you know, bounce around, uh, you know, keep a a balance on like the ABV. Um, Even, you know, sometimes you you go to a a bar and it's like, all right, so there's like 10, 9% beers. Like, (laughs) you know, I'm only really having two because I'm not getting home otherwise. Or maybe you go to a cast festival. Like you're having, (laughs) you're having one, you know, like, but, at and, least you um, can lose your phone in, in the guy's car in your yeah. friend's car, so it's okay. I, I went to the cast festival with them at Rocky Point. It was my birthday, and I decided I was going to have one of everything, and I did accomplish that feat. Except I I don't remember dinner, and it was a big mess. So. <laughs> but and um, you, you know, I, and I you fell this, over in the bathroom. Yes. I think this kind of goes back to what you were saying too, as far as like you know, like you find like double IPAs like being a little bit more flavorful and, and more enjoyable. Um, you know, I especially in like the IPA level, you need a certain amount of malt to back up those hops. Otherwise you, it tastes like you're drinking over hopped barley water. Yeah. And like, you know, you still want to achieve that balance. Um, in general, I don't really like, you know, if I'm designing an IPA recipe, I like to kind of hit that 6.8 or like 7% range just to be able to have that body to support all the hops that I want it to have. Um, that being said, last year we did a beer that we're definitely going to be bringing back. Uh, we called the white Walker. It was a, a white IPA. It was, that was four good. point. Four percent, five, six. It was something like it was like about four and a half percent, really low ABV. But I mean, you know, with the wheat, it provided that body. We used a lot of, um, I want to say it was Columbus, and I know we used like sriracha hops, so kind of had this like resiny pine, lemon, a little bit of like dill uh, going on. But that was again like one of those beers where people would drink it and be like, I didn't realize. I, I think it was four point seven percent actually. I don't know why that's like clicking in my head now. But like, oh, I didn't realize it was only like four point seven percent. Right. And like that's the thing. Like. There are plenty of other like session IPs in the market where, like, dude, I want I want balance. I want like complexity. I don't 
care about like, oh, you just threw a whole bunch of hops in here and now it's like completely off balance. Like you could have a super hoppy beer and still maintain that balance. Yeah, and if and you're not, not maintaining not that the balance, then, then what are you doing? You know, like who wants to drink that? And that's something I always try to achieve. And like, you know, even like, you know, when you guys drink the Don Dapper, that's a super hoppy beer. There's still plenty of malt to back that up. There is a lot you know? of malt in that and you need that, I feel like. And, um, you know, I think in, in general, like a lot of like the session IPA category lacks that balance. And in general, it almost feels like, like, like tastes like that over hop like barley water. It's yeah. Kinda, and kind it's... of like the way that, that I put it. And at the end of the day, it's like it, it's just not satisfying. Sometimes you're thirsty. Sometimes you want to drink six beers but not get wasted. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, when you have a really good pilsner or really good like white ipa or, or or you know like session beer that just has all that flavor you're left satisfied and and that's what we you know like really try to achieve and that's why when i was doing the session ipa i, tr- I geared it towards like the white ipa because i knew that wheat would just provide that body in that low alcohol golden level to be able to support that huge amount of hops that would still call it an ipa Right, and the, the market for people who are going to drink something like you said that's just hopped up is so much smaller, and more than likely they're going to have one of those. And you said it's not going to it's not going to go off the board like you were like you were saying. Yeah, it didn't yeah, happen yeah. with the other IPAs you had. Exactly. So um, as we, whenever we have an interv- uh, someone to interview here, we always try to hit them with a couple of our, our six pack of questions, our quick, rapid fire, lightning okay. round questions, if you will, where. We don't want you to go too deep in it. We just want to have the first answer that comes to your mind. And, Mark, you got the list over there. I do. So, so I'm going to pass it off to you because I think we kind of hit the first Yeah, one Justin already hit number one already, which is, you know, what's your favorite standby beer that okay. isn't one of the ones that you produce? So we covered that one. So then number two is, you know, what's your favorite brewery that isn't the Brickhouse? Like, you know, where are you a big fan of? Or, you know, there's always something that you enjoy there. I really enjoy uh, – the way Stone handles their product. Beer is an adult product. You have to be 21 to drink it. I really appreciate the fact that they treat us like adults and not children. And they have, like, you know, phrases like arrogant bastard, and, you know, and, and that type of thing. And, and I just love how, it, how adult they are about it and unapologetic. And I, and I really respect that because, you know, to a certain degree, yeah, this is an adult product. Treat me like an adult. I'm not a baby, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't need, like, cute little images of, of – fruit and blueberries or something you know (laughs) but all right so number three then is uh what's your favorite brewing ingredient if you if you you need to if you need to you can pick a favorite hop a favorite malt like if that makes it easier i would say like i'm definitely uh i'm a big rye head oh wow and lately i've been messing around with a lot of chocolate rye that's probably like my one of my like new like favorite malts um but rye in general like and I actually don't even end up using a lot of just regular, like, rye malt. A lot of times it's either, like, flaked rye, crystal rye, or chocolate rye, or, like, all three. And, and I really love messing with that combo. So you'll probably really enjoy that blueberry chili beer then. Okay. Because uh, I think it's, I think, at least 40% rye yeah. in, okay. the, in the grain bill on that one. The so, delicious grain bill. Yes. <laughs> that was a snack in itself. Yeah, we, I, we were eating it after we, uh, we pulled <laughs> it, it out. <laughs> So then, uh, next, what, what's your least favorite style of beer? New England IPA. 
<laughs> it's never been easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, got it. Is that a, I know we're not supposed to go too deep, but I'm curious. What I mean is it is it the stigma behind it, or is it the style, or is it what what about it? Uh, look, I mean, you know, like I, I've had some, uh, you know, that were like okay, but I think in general, um, it's again like one of those things that I think a lot of them aren't being produced properly, aren't being canned properly, and I think, like I was saying before, like sometimes you only have that one chance to capture a palate. And um, I think those beers, like, you know, definitely missed that chance. Not that every beer is, is designed to capture a new palate, but um, I just think at the end of the day, uh, you know, the last 20 years or so, craft brewers have been doing a lot of hard work to get through a lot of stigmas that people might have about craft beer, whether it's color or, or hoppiness or, or how bitter it is or, or whatever it is. The craft brewers in the last 20 years did a lot of really hard work to break through all those stigmas. And um, I just feel like, I'm not saying all of them. I'm just saying in general that that style doesn't necessarily do justice to all the hard work that those craft brewers like laid out for people like myself to even be in the position that I'm in right now, let alone everything else like moving forward. And um, I definitely think in general that's like a bubble that's going to burst. And I think at the end of the day, um, you know, people are going to demand a, a more proper product. And again, I'm not saying that they're all improper i'm not saying that all you know new england ipas are, are bad I've, I've had plenty that are, are really good i think a large portion it's of definitely them. A, a wagon that everyone has jumped on though yeah yeah uh, absolutely and i mean you know i, I like to taste other things than yeast <laughs> <In my laughs> fair. absolutely fair especially uh, when it's not a jefe uh, it's, even if it is a jefe, I expect to taste more than yeast in that beer. But yeah, I mean, you know, like like I said before, I'm not opposed to a hazy beer. There, there's a difference between proper haze, proper hazy, and lazy hazy. Yes. And uh, you know, I'm not a fan of lazy hazy. I, I guess that's a a more appropriate way uh, of not offending people, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> Maybe. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I I had a, a brewery stop in one day, like you know. From the New England area, actually, they brought me four different beers. I sat down with four people, and the only one we could kind of tell the difference between was the rye beer because there was a little bit more black pepper character in it. But if I didn't know it was a rye beer going into it, I don't know if I would have been able to pick that out, dissect that flavor from the yeah. profile. But uh, I mean, every beer basically looked the same color, the same amount of haze, was within about 0.4% alcohol of each other, and it just a lot of muddled messes right and uh you know like i said i just feel like the craft brewers that paved the way for us in the last 20 years uh deserve better beers to be drinking right now that's fair all right number five is where would you like to go on beercation on beercation belgium Belgium for sure. Like, I, I feel like yeah. that's the right you know, answer. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've you know, got like, I definitely want to go to Germany. Um, I definitely want to go to England. I'm, I'm half English. I'm half Croatian. I definitely want to like hit both of those places. But uh, you know, in general, like you know, the only Belgian beers that I know are, are the ones that I've had over here, and I, I want to go into some random like hut. Yeah, like, they're, they're, oh yeah, yeah, this is our like 40 year old like whatever you know whatever it is like yeah. you know blended 18 times. Like I want to go to Belgium and just have fun. And eat waffles and chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say there's anything wrong with that. No, we're so I'll, the, I'll hide in your suitcase. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so the the last one in our six pack here is gonna be, you know, what's your favorite name of any craft beer? Like be it punny or apropos in any way. Oh wow. Hmm. Uh, that's 
Wow, that's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, a lot, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of good choices. I will out say, there now. I think the mustache awkward conversations had the best label of all time. I don't know if you read that. <laughs> yeah. can. I, no, I, didn't I don't remember that one. I can picture the can, but I never read what was on it. It, it was just a series of completely awkward, like things that would pop up in a conversation. Like each line was just completely random compared to the next. <laughs> like things and they heard like in the brewery, like while like sampling, or I, just do you know where they got that? I think they might have like submit like had like a, a contest where people okay. like submitted things and they maybe like put it all together and, and I'm sure a huge chunk of it was uh uh you know things that they heard in the brewery, I'm yeah. sure, you know. But um like I know Chai your Chai of the Tiger I thought was uh, a <laughs> very, very good. I actually had somebody tell me the other day, they're like, I just love your names. I wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah, um, my favorite name of beer. You really put me on the spot there. I'm yeah. like thinking hard. Because especially now, I mean, like there's so many brews just kind of putting off like yeah, one-offs. It, like it's you end it's up a like, difficult question. I mean, I remember one that's like coming into my head now is like, called like nipple top like milk style i was like one of those things <laughs> like well you gotta like yeah. you, you can't say no to that um i don't know man i'm drawing a blank right that's now. all right yeah, that's all right. too hard <laughs> so I, I know there's one burning question left that uh all of our listeners will will want to know because when we did the brick house uh brick house um when we did you on the po- on podcast for the first time, we uh, we noticed that there was a uh, a shit ton of uh, Thai basil and everything. No, not, <laughs> no, Thai, not, not Thai basil. No, the, oh, the Vietnamese cinnamon. cinnamon. Right, Vietnamese oh, cinnamon. Oh, okay, right. okay. Oh, okay. I was and, like, and I was we like, were, and we were. Uh, I don't think so. We were postulating <laughs> that there might have been some kind of secret drop of uh, cinnamon of you know Vietnamese cinnamon outside where there was a bag dropped of money and somebody else walked by and picked up the cinnamon like we didn't know <laughs> where you got this or why it just seemed to appear all over the place um well the Vietnamese cinnamon we use in our pumpkin beer every year and we also use that in the chai of the tiger uh, you know we brew a couple of batches of pumpkin every year and then that ends up being part of the the mix that we use on the cinnamon sugar rims on the glasses that everybody by the way, demands that I, every year I try with the bar staff. I'm like, I know, we and like, just not do it. But like, really, what what it comes down to for us is like, we've had people that have been coming here for 20 years that were like, we're doing the cinnamon sugar thing when it was like still like okay, and it wasn't necessarily like as as terrible as it is now. At that point, again, 20 years ago, people were trying to flip those palettes like really hard and doing anything that they could. So it's like that person that's been supporting you for 20 years. How do you tell them? No, you can't get cinnamon on, on your so glass. So that, that's kind of an argument that I got into these two guys because the, when I when I came and picked up the beers from the, you know, our first visit here for the podcast, one of the squash buckler was one of the ones that I picked up, and I I went into how much admiration I had for you for putting on the beer menu that you know it is recommended that you drink it without the shin, cinnamon yes. sugar on the glass, yes, because it is a sweet beer and you know it, it doesn't need that. And these guys were like, fuck you. I want the cinnamon sugar. <laughs> no, no, to be fair. Not, ne- no. Neither of us told you to fuck off because we wanted it on there. I, I was we- surmising, okay? All right. Well, you surmised I'm, wrong. <laughs> uh, right. No, I'm pretty, I believe, I believe I'm pretty my, sure I that believe- was your statement. You were like, I'm an adult, and I, if I want the cinnamon sugar, <laughs> well, you will put it on the okay, glass. Well, there, well, there's two points to that. One, yes, if I'm an adult and I want that sugary sweet goodness i will eat the sugary sweet goodness because if i want to have cake for breakfast i get a cake for breakfast too (laughs) but more to the point my final statement on the on it was that if the brewer designs the beer to have that sugar cinnamon flavor incorporated into the sip 
I think it should be there. I And that's what I agreed with. In this case, I love the fact that you didn't because I think I look like way more of a man drinking a beer. No one else <laughs> is drinking a pumpkin beer if I don't have a rim around it. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, and flat out, like, I mean, that was that was the goal, too. It's like, you know, we want to design the beer to not have that. And I, I have a certain, like, set of rules with my bartenders and my servers uh, lately, like the beer rules. Essentially, at Friday, Friday, Saturday night after 10 o'clock, the rules go out the window because, you know, it, it gets too busy. It gets too loud with the bands, whatever. And I understand that, you know. Um, but like basically before 10 o'clock, I expect them to, you know, Oh, Hey, you want a pumpkin beer? I'm going to bring you over a sample of it without the, the rim job. And, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I will call it that. Um, Just but, uh, with us. <laughs> I, there were certain renditions of the beer menu. I, I, I believe my GM and I were basically going back and forth between reprinting them with the phrasing and that, but I was that. like, if you want a rim job, you have to ask for it. Um, <laughs> because yes. And, I would support uh, that. <laughs> and, and, Phrasing. you know, Phrasing. And, and that was the thing, like, like with, uh, well, at the end of the day, what's a rim job? Why can't I put no, a rim no, job? No, no, Exactly. I exactly. I really <laughs> like it, and, I'm, and, I, and I appreciate it. And we, we, love the jo- we love the joke on it. Contra Ford is perfect, you know? You know, and at the end of the day, like, like I said, we, we're lucky enough where we have customers that have been coming here for almost 21 years. Now, we have those regulars, and we have to honor them, and, and we will, but... At the end of the day, like, I can't say no cinnamon sugar on the pumpkin beer because these people have been doing it forever. But what I can say is no cinnamon sugar on the chai of the tiger. And we did get a lot, which is a, it's a chai tea and vanilla bean red ale. Uh, it comes in about 7.5% that we do every year. Um, I released that around pumpkin season to also show people um, that you don't want pumpkin beer. You actually just want spice. So get over gotcha. it. Gotcha. Um, I mean, like, look, and at the end of the day, I'm extremely hap- like proud of our pumpkin beer. Like, we put... Um, I love the a lot of it, like you know it's oh, 80 it's pounds of pumpkin 60 pounds of uh, local honey we use you know Vietnamese cinnamon fresh ginger like our own spice blend like I'm really proud of that beer but again always trying to educate the consumer look you actually all you're looking for is cinnamon and you know one thing that I do put my foot down with the bartenders and the staff is that if people do ask for the cinnamon sugar on the try of the tiger no absolutely not like pumpkin beer I didn't create try the tiger like Arthur and I created uh, so I can set the standard of not allowing cinnamon sugar to be served on that. It kind of even and, boggles and it, my well, mind that people are like looking for that. Honestly, we, we I wish this was a joke, but in pumpkin season, we had people asking for cinnamon sugar rims on the Beowulf, which is an English style IPA, oh. uh, which is our standard IPA. Like, again, like people just sometimes people just Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, like sometimes like. Sometimes people just feed into that like gimmick a little too hard, and and like I said, with the pumpkin beer, I can't say no. With every other beer, I can and will say no. <laughs> you know, um, you know, and, and if if having to put cinnamon sugar on pumpkin beers f- for the sake of keeping my customers that have been coming here for 21 years is the only downfall of having to keep those customers happy, so be it. You know, <laughs> like yeah, like a, have your cinnamon sugar. Trade. Thank you so much for being loyal. You know, and no complaints. So I think, um, you know, the really only question left that I have is, um, can you kind of pull back that you, you mentioned that you schedule a lot of the beers and that since you have so many recurring ones that you do each year, um, what's coming down the pipe soon? What's, uh, what's maybe the next set of seasonal stuff? What's maybe the next 
creative thing that you're throwing out there for us? So next next week, the Astral Wit comes out, which is uh, a collaboration with Electrofaustus. They're, they're a noise device company at Patchock. They make like instruments and guitar pedals. We did a collaboration with them yeah, last the year called Disruptor. Disruptor. Yep. It was uh, like a West Coast Kolsch. It was like a traditional German Kolsch that we hopped up like a West Coast IPA in a very sessionable format. It was like somewhere between like 4.8 and 5.2, something like that. Um, this one is an Australian hopped wit. Uh, they have a new instrument called uh, that they just released called the Astral Whip. Which, if you've ever seen Crocodile Dundee when he's like spinning the bull whip around, and, like call the Aborigines, yeah. yes, uh, it's basically like an, an, an electronic version of that. Wow, um, that I actually went to NAM with them this year and helped them like debut the, the instrument. And as I was like showing it off, I was just like, I'm making a beer called Astral Wit, uh, it's gonna be an Australian hopped wit, and we're doing this, so that's coming out next week. Uh, Nigel Thornberry, the Blackberry Saison, and yes. yes, that is a Nickelodeon reference, um, is coming <laughs> back uh, the following week. And then the Mademoiselle Red, which is a collab with Roast, our 14th collab, actually. Um, it's a Belgian red brewed with Earl Grey tea, orange peel, and rose petals. Um, That's that was one that we brewed two years ago that people were very upset didn't come back last year, so I had to brew it again this year. Um, and then after that, we're going to be brewing uh, the Birthday Suit, which is our birthday beer. Uh, it's like an 8.5% red aged on the Cognac Silk Cherrywood. Uh, the P-Town Common. We're gonna I like be brewing that again, one, yeah. which, uh, which is in a Long Island Common, which uh, that's actually a beer two years ago for Craft Beer Week. I guess it's like almost three now. Um, we actually sat in this very room and like eight brewers, uh, eight Long Island brewers came up with the style, kind of like based off the Kentucky Common, but with some spins based off of what the Long Island clientele like. And, uh, you know, we kind of like developed this really sessionable like style. It's, yeah, I'm a fan of that one. Um, which I'm really looking forward to uh, to bringing that back. Uh, we use a lot of traditional like whiskey ingredients in that, uh, some rye, corn, oats. I use, uh, as far as barley goes, I use a lot of Golden Promise, which is a traditional like Irish whiskey malt. Um, and then, you know, the, the Lima Libre that we brew, which is, uh, an agave lime wheat. Yes. That one has had my wife loves that one too. Yeah. I'm, I'm basically going to the store like every week checking the limes, like, and once they're like suitable enough for brewing, like that's going to be in the, in the pipeline. I'm really hoping for, you you put the call out for help to like zest those. Don't oh you? yeah. 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 It takes about like eight volunteers, uh, about five hours to zest and juice the 44 pounds of limes wow. per batch. Um, <laughs> you know, we feed them breakfast. They get to order whatever they want off the menu for lunch. We keep them, um, hydrated. <laughs> and then they all, think, you know, they all get growler to go afterwards. You know, we keep our volunteers very happy. A lot of times it's like regulars. And, uh, you know, we try to schedule those brew days on either like a Friday or Saturday where it's more convenient for, you know, people that have a more like normal work schedule to kind of come out and, and give us a hand. And, uh, you know, they always end up having a great time. But, you know, it, 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 it is a lot of work. And all of a sudden, like, they sit down and they start doing it. And they're like, oh, wow, I am earning that beer and food. <laughs> <laughs> this, but, is, uh, this is actual work. Yeah, yeah, this thing is not fun work. And then, you know, when the beer comes out, you know, they, they get a free growler fill as well. As, nice. As a thank you for, for giving us a hand. But um, I know we're going to be doing, uh, you know, we're big Game of Thrones fans here. We, you know, we do a couple of, uh, you know, TV Inspired beers, you know, we did the Walter Witt, uh, we have the Don Dapper out right now. Yeah, and you mentioned the White um, Walker. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We did the White Walker last year um, because the Don Dapper was out and we couldn't do the Direwolf IPA, which we had done in years prior, which is like about a 7.5%. Um, and I just didn't want to have another higher alcohol IPA on the board when we have a 10.5% one out. But um, this year for Game of Thrones, we're trying to time it out where the White Walker and the Direwolf will both be out at the same time along with a collaboration that we're like 
doing some test batch with uh, lithology on actually right now uh, cool. we're gonna do a dragon fruit ghost called uh, Drogos. Interesting. Um, and the goal is to kind of like have that. all three of those beers out for when uh, Game of Thrones hits. Um, They've certainly given you enough time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the fact that it's like a little later in summer and it really works with like everything else that I have to end up doing. But, um, you know. I've been waiting like six years. But I mean, but before it. I know it, like I'm going to be brewing. I'm definitely doing Disruptor again this year. Um, the the peach mode will be coming back again. That's an 8.5% white peach and apricot strong ale. That's kind of like our summer strong ale we kind of release in July. That's a really dangerous beer too because like regardless of the alcohol content, the the acidity of the peaches and the apricot like really thirst like quench your thirst in like yeah. that mid July oppressive humidity where like you could drink four of those <laughs> like couldn't stand up you yeah. would, but, like, say you're you not could going consume anywhere them like yeah. you could put it down your throat but like yeah it's that, that's one of those beers that like you know our our staff is always very weary on as far as you know keeping people in, in check and and uh, you know it, it's sneaky and you know one thing that I, I will say uh, that I'm very proud of is the you know we specialize in dangerous here. You know, our, <laughs> our, our beers are deceiving as far as their alcohol content goes most of the time. And I'm very proud of that. I like that. <laughs> that, that means that means the they taste good. Yeah. <laughs> specialize in dangerous. So <laughs> I know you mentioned it, but uh, when in June is the uh, 21st anniversary celebration uh, going to happen? Our actual birthday is June 6th, but the birthday barbecue is going to be uh, June 10th. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's gonna take place kind of in the garden. We're still working out the details, but I think it's gonna be some sort of like a one price. You know, gets you in. You get to run around all the jockey boxes, drink up. We're gonna have like a barbecue going. I'll probably be uh, behind the grill cooking up. You know, all, all sorts of uh, good stuff. We usually do like grilled veggies, wings, some sausages and whatnot. But um, you know, kind of be just served uh, buffet style, and you know, just a good old barbecue. Sounds like a good day. And, uh, and yeah. yeah, you know, and we're we're the first Long Island legal brewery. Like we're going to be 21 this year. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's something that um, I never thought in a million years that I'd be the brewmaster for Long Island's oldest brewery, but uh, it makes me pretty, pretty damn happy. That's for sure. <laughs> I guess they were pretty damn happy that you are. I, I, I don't know if you've noticed you're rattling off names from two, three years ago. Yeah, we had that. Oh yeah. Yeah. We yeah, had yeah. That. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and again, like, you know, that makes me like, you know, super, super happy. I know, um, you know, I'll be the first one to admit, you know, many, many years ago, our reputation for the beer wasn't like the best. And it really made, uh, you know, both Arthur and I really happy seeing that everybody was giving us that second chance and seeing what we were doing. And I mean, now, um, you know, it, as far as I'm concerned, like, you know, our liquid portfolio is undeniable. Like, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, I love all my Long Island brewers, but, uh, you know, Drink the Don Dapper and you find me a better 10.5% IPA in New York. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw down that challenge. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm super, super proud of that beer. And, you know, even I've had some very, like, well-respected brewers come by lately and, and have some pints and really just, you know, kind of pat me on the back. And it makes me, you know, just makes me happy to, to see everybody giving us that shot that they're recognizing the hard work. And also at the end of the day, like it really makes me happy that my staff, like, you know, is able to hold their head up high and say, yeah, I work at Brickhouse. This is our beer. Drink this, not Bud Light, you know, like, and seeing the numbers that, you know, that they're pulling. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we've never sold more in-house beer ever. And that even compared to where I am last year, I'm up and I'm, definitely staying on my toes so i mean i couldn't be happier for sure and, you do good uh, work here so thank you thank yeah you. i know we all i know we all frequent here and we're, we're always a big fan of pretty much anything that comes down the pipe and you've been doing great work and we really hope you just keep going with it and thank you looking man. forward to a lot of them 
I don't plan on going any anywhere for any time uh, for any long time. So right. <laughs> Actually, we're gonna chain you to the bar to make sure you don't go nowhere. Don't <laughs> I only live like about ten blocks up the road too, so it's like literally uh, like a ten minute drunken stumble home. <laughs> that's, good. that's good. That's a good. That's a good backup plan. Right yeah, there. and it's literally like straight line. Like I'd really have to be pretty twisted to not get home. <laughs> I'm not quite that close, but I am fairly close. Yeah, you're so. you're yeah, more yeah. of an L shape. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul, anything else you'd like to add before we uh, call um, it quits? The only other thing I'd like to say is, you know, we have uh, actually the porter that you drank. It's called True North Porter. Uh, that is a beer that holds a lot of value to my heart. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, a portion of all those proceeds are going to be going to the local school music program, uh, the Patchogue Medford School Music Program, uh, with the intent of, like, initially buying, like, uh, a fleet of instruments and, you know, every year being able to do the same thing where, uh, you know, maybe first or second year music students will be able to rent out these instruments uh, for, if not free, an extremely nominal fee that would basically upkeep the instrument for, you know, $5 a month or something like that. So this way, you know, maybe kids that are, you know, maybe coming from some homes that are having some tougher times, it, it makes it a little bit easier for them and, uh, you know, to like possibly get into music and, you know, see if they actually like it or not without having to be a huge expense, uh, you know, out of the parents' wallet. And at the end of the day, the goal of the beer is really just to kind of, uh, you know, plant some seeds and light some fires and, you know, yeah, hopefully, that, hopefully like, you know, keep kids out of trouble when they get older and, and for the long term. So, you know, the goal is to, if it's not going to be that particular beer, uh, another beer every year where, you know, like I said, every year we could like buy a fleet of instruments and, you know, if, you know, maybe this year they need guitars, next year they need flutes or, you know, whatever it may be, but just try to like build up um, that. That's great. And that, that's something that we didn't really touch on. Like you, you do do a fair amount of charity work here. Like, you know, a few weeks ago, you had your head shaved as yes, part of yes, the, yes, the St. Baldrick's <laughs> fundraiser. So, and you know, it, it's you're definitely, uh, you know, you're you're a brew pub restaurant, but you're also definitely involved in the community and giving back to the community in those respects. I mean, you know, like, like you have to be. And, uh, you know, especially when you've been in business for this long and, you know, you've had all these people supporting you, like you, you have to give back to your community. Like there, there's just no other way. And I mean, you know, the thing that initially turned me on to Brickhouse so much outside of it being a brew pub was just the music and art scene. You know, I, I was an artist, you know, up until maybe about like high school, I kind of stopped like drawing or painting or whatever. But, uh, you know, I'm a bassist now and, uh, you know, I've been playing for about like 15 years or so. But, um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's what kind of like drew me to it. And, you know, you have to support the musicians, the, the artists, and, you know, they're the ones that support us. And why not start off at that younger age? And like I said, the, the, the goal of that beer is, you know, light fires and plant seeds and that's the goal and we're going to start transitioning even that too where you know hopefully we're going to start hiring like some of the like you know maybe jazz quartets or whatever from the high school jazz band or whatever it may be is like you know for some happy hour acts and you know start paying some of these kids you know and nice. instead of like you know some of the other happy hour acts in the sense of you know let these kids get that gratitude of making money off of something that they enjoy i mean how many people even end up getting to do that yeah. Um, you know, and again, and, and if Stop. that's just one of those things that inspires them to get a job, to work harder to what they want to achieve to, again, keep them out of trouble. I mean, that's that's the goal. You know, when you get your first paycheck and you're able to go buy that thing that you wanted with your own money that you earned, that's an undeniable experience. And I think in general, you know, not to sound like an old man, but I think in general, like, you know, kids are working less and less. Like, I, I feel like in general, kids are having less and less high school jobs or, you know, whatever it may be. Whereas I started working when I was 13 in the local deli, um, you know, and I feel like, you know, if if we have that opportunity and, you know, some of these high school musicians are, are killer. We have a lot of school of rock kids that come in. 
um, like, you know, maybe every three months that like they'll take over happy hour. Those kids kill it. You know, why shouldn't we, you know, be, you know, lighten them giving those the fires. opportunity. Yeah. 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 Giving them the opportunity. You know what? And, and the bar loves it. <laughs> the bar loves it. And, those kids are super talented. They'll be killing Rush with their like eyes closed. <laughs> nice. I mean, are getting paid for something that you you know, you aspire to do? It's just it's even more inspiration for them to keep going. It's you know, great. exactly. You know, and even if even if you only get to get paid for doing something that you enjoy for an hour a week, you know, like even when I you know got to the point where I started to get paid for doing some of the brewery work here, like that in and of itself, it was like, oh hey, it's only like a few hours this week, but like that money, like. Iron that making beer, you know, like it feels good. Like, and again, you know, plant seeds, light fires. Absolutely. Very admirable. It's great work you're doing here, Paul, Thank on you. every front. Thank you very well, much. All right. So, even though we wrapped up the interview portion of our day, Paul was nice enough to go downstairs and uh, grab a couple beers for us. And he mentioned that he, um, that there were some tweaks and some recipes, and I don't know exactly what you grabbed. So, why don't you tell us uh, what you grabbed for us? Right, so, right now, what you guys have is, uh, is our street light. Um, it's our entry-level beer. It's our most popular beer. We, we sell about 10 kegs a week of that um, in-house by the pine. It's just a you know entry-level golden ale, a um, little bit of, of hops, but that's our, our Bud Light converter, oh. essentially. It's Every time I have it, it's always a good, solid beer, and it's really, really tasty. Thank you. I tend to uh, to avoid the lighter beers, not because I don't like them, just I tend to like darker beers. So I, I, Honestly, the number of times I've been here, I've still never ordered it. I really like it. It's Thank one you. of the fir- one of the first like light beers that I can say I I would definitely go and seek out and order. You know, and like even amongst the beer geeks, we've had a lot of people where like at the end of the night after they've had like you know three or four crazy things and they they just want like a beer. We've actually had a lot of beer geeks starting to order the street light a little bit. You know, towards the end of their life too. So you yeah, know, like, nice palette. That, yeah, yeah, that you know, it's, that makes it's me got happy too. yeah, it's got really good flavor, but it's also nice and light. And yeah, I can totally understand that. I. Uh, as these guys know, I, I had, uh, an experience, uh, a little over a year ago where I, you know, aside from homebrewing beer, I also make a fair amount of mead and I made a 15.8% sizer and I drank four of them on New Year's Eve (laughs) and that was too many. And I have not made like, I have not personally brewed anything stronger than, uh, 6% alcohol since then. So I definitely understand the desire for, you know, the, those lighter alcohol beers that still have a lot of flavor and the streetlight definitely has that. Yeah. I like that. It has that little bit of sweetness in it. And stuff. Now you said you, um, when you first brought it up, you mentioned that you tweaked the recipe a little bit. What was yeah. the change? If you can tell us actually like, uh, we had been hearing from, a, you know, it used to be 5%. Uh, we've been hearing from a lot of customers actually like that. They were surprised that our lowest alcohol offering was 5%. Every now and then, like, you know, there have been some wheat beers probably that were about four three four seven um you know th- th- there were like some lighter things, but in general that was like the you know not scary beer uh, so to speak, but yeah, people were actually asking for the alcohol to be a little bit lower um so we knocked it down to four point seven and okay. you know just made it a little bit lighter in color because of that, but you know accommodated like c- cut some hops out of it but it's actually been selling faster. So, again, it's one of those things that even when you have a tried and true recipe, like, you do have to, like, listen to your customer base. And, again, back to that whole brew pub thing. I mean, 95% of what we produce is sold in-house, like, to yeah. our customers. Like, and, and we get to hear that response. And that's just something that's, like, almost, like, addicting. Like, for us, you know, you, you get that immediate response. You get to hear what they want. You get to 
also it, it allows you to predict the trends of next year like and, and brew appropriately like I'll be the first one to admit last year you know I mistrusted my gut on you know maybe about like you know choosing to brew two beers but I mean at the end of the day two out of the three other 300 times yeah, that I trusted my gut I, I, I you know eventually you know you're gonna have a fail and it's that, not like it was a, a fail it was just kind of like oh that didn't sell as I predicted I should have done something else and you know you learn from your mistakes but also at the end of the day like you could only predict trends so much because as a brewer you need to be ahead of them you know like as much as I hate it, like I'm already thinking about pumpkin beer as far as like sourcing materials in the sense <laughs> yeah. that in like two you months I'm gonna to, have to yeah. like lock down pumpkin to have it in August to brew to have it out for September. You know, mm -hmm. like and yeah. that's a lot of lead time. That's something that you don't necessarily think about. Yeah, exactly. You know, so so sometimes like you you're you know, I, I mean I've got grain in my shed for about like the next like month and a half's worth of brews. You know, like there there is a fair amount of planning ahead of time, you know, that, that does end up going into it, but so what's the uh, the second one? All right, so this then? is the Aegis Beer to Guard. Oh, okay. okay. So, wow. And this so, was yeah. this was just released on, on yeah, Friday? On, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we basically use uh, the same house yeast on every beer that we do. Uh, we bring the cold shell yeast in for the Disruptor and our Oktoberfest-style ale uh, around that time. But in the springtime, we bring in the French Saison yeast. Um, our production time, like, I've got a little bit more time with beers in this area, and I don't... Justin's in like, love. I, I don't yeah. really think like the lagers we, would do as far as like coming out into the spring. So I choose to use the French saison yeast because I just really love it. And like I said, our customers have, have grown to it. And like this is a beer that, um, you know, every year like our Belgians will, will switch up a bit, but we always start off with the beer to guard. We start the yeast off with that. We you know ferment it at cooler temperatures, get the yeast really going before we pitch it into other beers. And you know, out of you know, this isn't like a malty beer, but out of the other Belgians that will come out, this is a malty Belgian, uh, you know, compared to everything else that we'll, we will be putting out. But um, like I said prior, I really like the amber side of the beer to guards. Um, and, you know, you really just get that mellow, like, clove, a little bit of like that. Yeah, that it's definitely got ginger. great um, uh, character from the yeast in it that's definitely noticeable, and it's it's really nice. I like it. Yeah, the mouthfeel definitely comes. I mean, straight from straight from the yeast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 this is oh man. I, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I don't have really descriptors for spices or, or anything yeah. like that, and like all those like those flavors that you're tasting. That's all from the yeast. Yeah, and uh, so this one cool. was fermented pretty cool. The the wit that comes out next week that was actually fermented really hot. Uh, that was at fermented at about like sixty no uh, seventy six seventy seven. Oh wow! So yeah. where this was fermented at like sixty seven. Gotcha. Uh, which for this yeast sixty seven is like pretty pretty cool. Um, so you'll you'll be able to taste the the ester. The, and, yeah, you know, the, profile. the difference on the te uh, yeah, the temperature yeah. effect has. And then uh, the Nigel Thornberry was kind of fermented like in between. It was about seventy two seventy three. That'll be out the following week. And then the Mademoiselle kind of. Started off cool, let it get like up to like about seventy four. So that one kind of has its own profile in and of itself. But I think you had, um, when we were talking about this before, you mentioned that, um, it's a springtime Oktoberfest, and you, dude, that's such a perfect description. <laughs> like, I I didn't think about it, and then as when I was tasting it, I had that those words running in my head. I'm like, that's that's exactly what this is. It's amazing. It's, it's a it's it, a Marzen, but it tastes so much better. Like, yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit lighter, and it has a little more of that, like you said, like a yeasty character. That, yeah, um, yeah. I, mean, I don't know what it is about that character, but it definitely says spring to me. Yeah, and and that's yeah. the thing. Like, you know, actually, my assistant was asking me yesterday, like, you know, what are like some spring beers that I could like brew? And I was like, really, uh, there's not a lot of like spring styles outside of like maybe like a Maybach or something. Yeah. But I was like, in general, I was like, this is gonna sound really cheesy, but I was like, you're almost kind of like brewing beers that have a summer 
flavor profile, but with like a winter amount of body still left in. So even if it's gold, like it's still got a fair amount of body. And when Arthur and I were like, you know, figuring out everything, like we both really loved uh, working with the French Saison yeast and like the profile just kind of spoke spring to us. So we were like, you know what? We're going to go for this and see what happens. And uh, the first year, they were all like a little bit uh, boozier than expected because uh, we didn't really realize that the yeast was going to eat like 95% of sugars compared to like our house strain at that time that was eating like 75. So um, the second year, we cut it down a little bit. Last year, I cut them down to more like, you know, about five and a half ish percent uh, in general. And the customers really just gravitated towards them. And again, like, you know, changing our, our clients' palates to to the point where they were, like, looking forward to the Belgians was really something else. And, I mean, the, like, the beer de garde, like, goes really great with almost, like, any seafood dish. And, um, like, like, a cheese platter it's really great. In general, like, beer, I feel like, is better for pairing with cheese than wine. I mean, wine's got plenty of flavor profiles that where, where it blends, but wine will, like, coat your palate. Yeah. Whereas, like, the beer with the carbonation, like, it will scrub your palate. The carbonation and the hops, You could then taste again. You could taste that next bite of cheese and that next sip of beer again, whereas opposed to just this, like, ever-growing, like, lingering flavors that are going on. And um, we're actually sitting down with the guys uh, from uh, Say Cheese in uh, Port Jeff on Monday night. Nice, uh, nice, nice. To do a pairing with them. So looking forward to that. That's awesome. And we yeah, all, we, in case really you can't nice tell, like, you know, maybe, nice spot. maybe Kevin, like, you might not notice so much, but, like, I like to eat a lot. Oh, yeah, I had I, it well, but trust me. So, yeah, I mean, pairing food, pairing beer with food, I mean, Mark cooks a ridiculous amount. We're going to actually eat some of his food tonight. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, you know, he's not just a waffle and beer guy. I'm pretty sure that, like, we had his birthday <laughs> a couple weeks ago. There was beer in just about <laughs> everything he made. Yeah, I do put beer in pretty much anything that I can. So this is the Don Dapper. Okay. Gotcha. So this is the ten and a half percent IPA, and I know that you're not a hop head, but I think you'll no. What, like when when you taste it, I think you'll see what I was saying before about IPAs needing that malt backbone to balance out the amount of hops. There's a lot of hops in there. It almost does kind of hit some of that like rip your enamel off your teeth to a certain extent once you're like drinking it enough. But there's still like a fair amount of sweetness in there to like there is and, up, and the, you know? the bitterness here is also very smooth it's not that sharp bitterness which is also the other thing like the three of it's us so sharp yeah. like when, when it's like that that you know that that's what we don't like this is nice and smooth it doesn't linger on the palate after you've taken the sip it, look at it's, how clear it is yeah <laughs> it, is a beauti- it is a beautifully see clear the color. amber col- like dark yeah. amber color it's I mean, really nice you know that was again like that that's an eight week beer i mean you know like the haze that's in there is because of the sheer amount of hops right. and i mean we did a full 11 pound uh, amarillo dry hop in there wow. So, wow you know and that's in five barrels right that's in 10 barrels oh in 10, 10 barrels. barrels yeah yeah the, the don dapper we we brew five barrels at a time but that's why we have to brew it over two days oh gotcha i didn't realize it was a double batch okay. for some yeah reason. yeah yeah so so we we brew it twice since we can get the full, like, 10 barrels out of it because, uh, you know, last year when we really only have, like, time in the schedule to brew, like, one beer this big a year. And even just, like, logistically as far as the seasons go and everything that goes on in Patchogue, it really only makes sense for us to do that. Um, you know, and this beer is going to be on the board for about four or five months or so. Um, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, when we were telling people that it's not coming back, that we were going to brew something else big. Like I really wanted to do like a barley wine personally. Um, and people were like legit getting angry. Wow. <laughs> like they were like, like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? It's not like they were legitimately. Get- and I've never seen that response before. So I was just like, all right, well, you know, you got to get the customers what they want. And you know, it's not like 
I'm upset about having to brew a, a giant IPA. I mean, I really wanted to do it last year because, you know, we had done some like, you know, 7.8. I think the biggest one we had hit earlier prior to that was like an 8.5% IPA, but it wasn't like this big, big, massive IPA. And I really kind of wanted to like put our foot in the waters uh, in that game. And last year when we brewed it, uh, it was the most expensive beer ever brewed at Brickhouse ever by a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, again, luckily, uh, you know, I don't have a budget because uh, the owners didn't see the, that cost analysis until uh, afterwards. Yeah, until that actually two months after the, the beer kicked. And then they almost <laughs> had a heart attack when they saw like, the price per keg. And I was like, relax, look at the other margins. And then they quickly asked, well, well can we brew more beers like this? And I said, no, because people can only drink like one and a half percent Unless you want like you know, something like, PD yeah. just like parked out front, you know. And, and, and again, I mean, you know, it's different when you're going to a beer bar, you know, when they could change the kegs all around, you know, maybe they have two 10% beers on the board because there's only a tiny bit left in that one keg, you know, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm brewing between 16 to 20 kegs at a time. I've got to keep that board balanced and, um, you know, even, you know, in the wintertime, I had the, the mocha stout wow, and the breakfast brown on tap. The breakfast brown was eight and a quarter. The mocha was 8.8. You know, you, you could see in the sales numbers, like, once the mocha comes on, like, those beers are battling against each other. But, again, like, that was also taken into account where, like, I made sure the Don Dapper didn't hit taps until those beers were gone. <laughs> you know, yeah. because at the end of the day, you want, like, an eight and a quarter, a nine percenter, and a, and a ten and a half percent beer, like, on the board when you have a seven and a half percent uh, a 7% house IPA is your standard, you know, like you got to keep that, that balance. And again, like you also like need to be responsible for your patron's sake as well. You know, like it's good. To, good that you keep that in mind. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, it's, it's not your responsibility, but it's nice to know that it's, there's a thought process behind that, making sure that people stay safe and, and all that. Well, like you're I saying mean, the, the servers are always on top of it, things like that. Yeah. And like, you know, all of our bartenders are tip certified, you know, there, there's been many of arguments where, you know, if somebody comes in way too drunk and our bartenders don't serve them and they get up in arms. And at the end of the day, we don't play that game at all, you know? And, um, you know, even as, as far as like, you know, the, the patron safety down to the glassware that we buy, um, I have to take that into consideration because on Friday, Saturday nights, we, do such a huge volume like we tried some glasses last year that like when they broke they like broke in these huge twisted curved shards and on a friday saturday night in the summertime when we've got plenty of people in sandals i need a glass that like shatters like a windshield essentially right. that shatters into a bunch of little pieces glass, you sweep it up you know god forbid you know maybe a little piece gets into somebody's sandal like whatever but it's not this huge curved like hook of <laughs> it's, it's not going not through somebody's foot yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. you know and get you a toe <laughs> and i i, I remember like you know at a, at a brewer's conference uh last year i was like kind of having like this conversation with with some other brew pubs in the sense that hey I, I can't go out and get all this fancy glassware because even at the end of the day we use dishwasher like because we we do such a high volume most of the fancy glassware when you look at what's tempered all of a sudden your selection is cut down to about 10 percent of the glassware right and uh, that's your choice and so and then on top of that what breaks properly i, I end up having a choice between like two glasses <laughs> you know and and Definitely they, they were almost kind of like getting upset with me to a certain degree, well, like at a certain point, like you need to set the standard. But it's like, at a certain point, like again, like at ten o'clock on a Friday night, not everybody in my place is a craft beer snob. Yeah. And, and that's one thing in general, like a lot of craft beer people don't understand. Like, I'll be talking about like some customer uh, interactions, and they'll be like, "I've never heard that before." At the end of the day, like the average beer consumer is not the craft beer snob. The average beer consumer going to a craft beer tasting room. I'd say probably, I think it's probably safe to say 90% of those people are 
craft beer people. I tell you, like, like I said before, 50% of the people that walk in, if I had a dollar for every time somebody thought that my brew house was for decoration, I'd be able to open up my own brewery. Yeah. Like, and that, that's no exaggeration. And, you know, so like I'm dealing with more of like your quote unquote average beer consumer. Oh, do you, you know? actually use that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those big, those big brass things aren't just decoration? This, this guy actually came in with my little brother uh, and, uh, you know, like, like last week and he was like, that stuff's not real. And my brother just like rolled his eyes and I was like, what do you want a sample out of? I'm going to get glasses now. I'll pour you a sample out of there, out of there, out of there. I won't get, let you drink that because that's actively fermenting right now. Yeah. And exactly. you don't know anything about beer and you'd be like, you're this making poison. Like, you know, but, but it, yeah, I mean, I actually had, there was one situation where there was a father who had been coming here regularly, like knew the deal, like knew that it was actually a brewery. And the son who was super skeptical was sitting there telling me as I was cleaning the system from just making beer that it wasn't real. And I, I again, like, <laughs> like offered to pour him samples from the fermenter, but he saw the, the, the glycol hoses from the back that go to the fermenter that keep everything cool. He thought that those hoses were like running from the basement to like pour beer from the sample valve out of the side of the fermenter. It's like, that's a really <laughs> elaborate setup to, I was like, ask the, ask everybody. Did, in did the he also try to sell you all like chemtrails? <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, like, like at, at a certain point, you know, people are going to believe what they want to believe, even even when you're sitting there telling. Like you could be saying, "Why, hey, why would you be? Know. Why would you be cleaning it? Does he yeah. think you just have a problem?" Like, like, like no, I'm I'm I just, just really sweating like up here like an idiot because I need to like pretend that this is. A also, brewery. it it smells a lot like malt in here. So yeah, <laughs> do you have like green liquid stuff on the? No, I just bought hops to like liquefy them and throw them on the floor to make it look like <laughs> I bought. Beer. I just bought hops for twenty two dollars a pound to like throw on the floor. Like, <laughs> well. Uh, the Don Dapper, I mean, I, I just to kind of reel back a little bit, it's got that really nice floral nose in the beginning, and as and you're, I really do like the body that it has to it, the little bit of malt there to it, backs it up well, and supports it, and I, I enjoyed it. I'm Thank to you. be honest, I don't think I want to keep going. I'm maybe not gonna go and say, hey, let me fill up my growler and take no, it home, I, but I'm really glad that I got to try it and. It's probably one that I looked at the board and said, you know what, I'm going to try something else that I would think I'd like more. So thank you for sharing. Oh, dude, I appreciate it. You yeah, I was definitely uh, surprised how much I liked it. And I, I, I definitely think I would probably come and get a, get a pint of it for sure. It, well, it, we only serve that one in a 12 and a half ounce glass. Well, but, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it would make sense. But yeah. Yeah. And you're like, that's the only beer that, like, even to our mug club members, like, they don't get a mug. They don't get that in the mug. Um, uh, it only comes in that glass. You know, if you're getting it on the flight, it's a dollar extra. Gotcha. And, uh, but yeah. Yeah, I, you know, th again, like these guys said, thank you for you know sharing that with us because you know next time I come here, if that's still on the board, yeah, I'm yeah. probably gonna get that. Yeah, you know, and like I said, that that's a beer that's gonna be on the board, uh, you know, for a bunch of months, just in the sense that you know, even if you really enjoy it, you're only having two, and then you're drinking something else because you have to walk. You can't. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know, like the ABV kind of keeps it on the board a little bit, and. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's a beer that I'm super proud of. And, you know, last year when it was brewing and fermenting, you know, it was eight weeks of no sleep until that beer hits half. Uh, I, I had a lot riding on that one that that couldn't go wrong. I, I didn't realize that last year was like the first year that. Yeah, that was the first year that that, that beer one. was brewed. Uh, the year before that, we had done. Um, what was it? The the Totes Big Oats. Oh, yeah. The, the right. Imperial yeah, Oatmeal Stout. Yeah. And that was like the first homebrew, like, like second runnings day that we did. And uh, we actually had the... Uh, I remember jamming on that one. That was good. Yeah. yeah. I like that one. Yeah, that was a really, really great beer. And uh, I remember like sitting on a keg of that for a year. And I think we released like the year old keg 
on like Arthur's like going away party. And I remember sitting there drinking that like year old Imperial stop and being like, this came from that system. We've come a long way. And I was really, (laughs) really, really happy. And there there was actually um, the owner of a very prominent brewery that had been tasting our work basically like from the beginning that was in house that day. And he had a glass of that and he came over to me and he was like, I can't believe this came from the system. And that made me really, really happy. And you know, at the end of the day, like you can't ask for anything more than that. So, well, um, I know that, uh, we have one, one beer left and, uh, this is one of, uh, one of our, uh, my, my good buddy Mark here's, uh, creations. And I know that uh, Kevin and I have drank a ridiculous amount of Mark's beer. We've loved all of them. And I can't wait to hear what, uh, what Paul has to say about it. Can you tell us about it, Mark? Yeah, so this is uh, second runnings beer from last year's Don Dapper Brew that I uh, kettle soured and then uh, also added a uh, homemade rosehip syrup that I made to it to sort of increase the complexity in it. And, you know, you pull, pouring it out right now, Paul, it looks like it's held up in that bottle oh, yeah, really yeah, well. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's, it's got that, it's got a nice solid head on it. It's got a a lot of a lot of carbonation in there. I'm, like for something that's hung up for a while. Yeah, that's, especially that's coming really out of good. the flip top bottle. Like I'm. Yeah, it those is, flip tops are solid. It's busy, um, man. Like I'm looking at it. It's it's streaming. I homebrewed a barley wine uh, that we bottled after it was a year old, and it I actually still have a bottle. We, we popped one open a few months ago that was three years old, and there was like the tiniest bits of oxidation in it. But I mean, you know, three years old. That's not I'll bad take at that. All. Yeah, swing top. <laughs> well, but, I mean. After just having the Don Dapper in front of us to see to say that this is from the second runnings of it, you can see it's like wow, this was the, definitely the his color, cousin. Yeah. yeah, it looks the exact same you know, color. And, and he had brought a bottle of it last year, and uh, you know when I had it, um, it was one of those things that I wish I had a sample of because I would have sat on the bottle for a while because it was mine. Good. You um, can't you know, have any. It almost like tasted like an Imperial Flanders Red, which you know I I never had before. And when I saw you the next time, the first thing I had said was. If my clientele would drink that beer, I would brew it in a second, uh, like here in a, in a second. Um, and like you know, like I said earlier, we're kind of testing the waters with our first hour, and you know, this could be a possibility like for next year or something along these lines. But um, it's about guiding you know your your clientele's palates to that next experience. Well, right. know, I, I can really tell you, Justin and I will goes. definitely show up. <laughs> I'll be here all the time if yeah. you do one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, Especially considering that he works in the village here, oh, yeah. he'll be here for lunch. Oh, dude, this like mellowed out perfectly. Yeah, I'm, it, I'm so, like I said, had I had a little sip of it, I would have sat on my giant one liter bottle for a year and popped it open. Um, this is really on point for sure. Yeah, this came and, together uh, really nice, Mark. Yeah, it's. You know, I haven't. Even, I haven't opened one in a while, and I mean the it, nose is is smells really tart. It's got a good scent to it there, but. The taste is just perfect. It's it doesn't have a tanginess to it. It's just really smooth. Yeah, yeah, even last year, like the only criticism was maybe like you know that that initial, you know, tartness or sour was like a little sharp, but it was still relatively young for that beer. Like when I was drinking it, and and again, that's why I was like, man, I wish you know I would have like sat on it a little bit. And that was that was the only thing that would really like initially slow you down from drinking it. Now that it's like mellowed out like this. I mean, you know, you could slam a pint of this sour. And, and, and like, I'm not opposed to sour beers. So I, I just more or less have to be in the mood for them. But, I mean, but still, how often do you find a sour that you could actually slam? And this is, like, what, eight, 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 eight and a half, something like that? It was like, uh, I feel I, like it was definitely, like, 8%. I, I feel like I think I checked, it said it on the I label. I think uh, this was, like, 7% 
I oh, think. Oh, okay, okay. Because, like, my uh, my uh, stainless steel fermenter was, like, the last thing that you filled. So okay, okay. The sugar yeah, concentration yeah. wasn't quite as strong as those initial runnings. But, yeah, I mean. But, again, you know, 7% beer in second runnings. I mean, that's exactly why we do that. Yeah. It's definitely and, a great thing that you do for the homebrewing community. And, you know, like, like this year. I was actually, you know, I, it was kind of sad that it, you know, logistics this year worked out that I, I couldn't come down and pick up any. Like, I know this year, uh, you know, they had invited, uh, you know, we did it with LIBME this year. You know, they had invited beer and homebrews and hand uh, grenades. I know some of the guys have picked up some of the warp, but they weren't able to, like, make it out to the competition. Um, it is always, like, a little bit of, like, a hard scheduling conflict just in the sense that I could know that I'm brewing the beer in about two weeks. But until, like... I can actually like guarantee that I don't like to put the words out like to the homebrewers and you know even at that point it's like a little bit short notice as far as scheduling a day to come by pick up the wart and brew but um I do try to like you know keep them in the loop like as much as possible this year you know we had about like six beers at the competition a lot of like people actually showed up to the point where it's like no longer like a small thing like next year we're gonna have like two servers on the event and wow. all that which is you wow. know and and you know I really hope to uh, like I said I'm gonna try to like plan it out. At, as far in advance as possible and, um, you know, try to give everybody like the most amount of time because, um, it is a great event. And even again, for that sake of experimentation for those new homebrewers, like coming in, like it's also to like show them, Hey, look, all these people essentially started off with the same word outside of like, you know, I know like this year, like the first day's second runnings were stronger than the second day's second runnings. But you know, for the most part, like these people are starting with the same liquid. They're all doing something different. Yeah, and it's they definitely were all really one of those, great in like their their own regards. You know, it's definitely great to and, see like, you know, what six people can do with the same starting exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm really just hoping. You know, we even two years ago we had somebody that made whiskey out of it. This year we had another person that made whiskey out of it. Um, you know, I'm really hoping that next year I keep encouraging people to do this i want somebody to take the tech the second runnings and then mash in with that and come back oh, with yeah. like just something like stupid straw like like 15 percent, whatever <laughs> i don't care but i really want to see that you really want to test accepted. that theory where you have to walk straight home huh <laughs> oh yeah yeah like it, it like this year if, like, like 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 next year when we do it if nobody's doing it i'm literally just gonna bring my homebrew kettle in and like just start part two in the garden basically like make my assistant like hey start this off i'll finish up up here and then we'll uh Drink ourselves silly in the back. <laughs> so, in in the spirit of the idea that, like, you know, the cobbler's kids don't have shoes, you know, is, has there been anything that you homebrewed? Like, do you homebrew at all anymore? Or? Yeah, uh, you know, last year uh, it, it kind of took like a little bit of a turn where we weren't homebrewing as much. But um, I homebrew with um, uh, a girl named Julie and her boyfriend Eric. Uh, Julie, you know, she used to work at Hoptron. She worked at. Uh, okay. I probably recognize her. Yeah, face, yeah, yeah. She, you know, she, she was involved in uh, Craft Social and, and Girls Pine Out for a while. Okay, yeah. Uh, and her I, boyfriend I Eric I... actually works over at Blue Point. Um, he's one of the brewers over there. Um, we homebrew a lot together. We have, um, we've come up with uh, some really cool uh, recipes, actually, like within the homebrew community, where some people have like actually like learned some of the names and like requested them, which is actually pretty cool. Um, you know, we do. We'll homebrew like a like a gin and tonic uh, pale ale that's inspired okay. by like a uh, gin and tonic recipe with like herbs and we use juniper berries and uh, you know some flaked rye to kind of blend the beer and like the herbal side of things together. Uh, we do a cucumber honeydew saison. Okay. Um, but you know some of those beers, you know, I kind of like save for me, and um, you know th- those are our beers and our creations, and no, know, maybe that's one day like, definitely... they'll, they'll come to fruition. But uh, they're, they're like the the Ron's Burgundy. Um, 
is an interpretation of like a beer that is, you know, like, like I was saying, like, like a hoppy red rye, that's just kind of like my jam. I really love brewing those. So that's kind of like a personal recipe of mine, I guess okay. you could say. Um, I'm trying to think. If there, there is like one beer that I'd really love to brew called uh, that I call Summer Trouble. But at the end of the day, like our agave lime, like the Lima Libra, yeah. has just outsold just so anything in the summer. Nobody wants anything else. Yeah. So like – it's like hard to say, it hey, in. let's yeah. do something different when yeah, you yeah, think yeah. that and, much and, on it. You know, and when, Your when hands you are tied. A, yeah, when you have a product, again, like when you have a product that people are like looking forward to and that you're super proud of. I mean, I never drank tequila until we brewed that beer. Like literally like the end of like the first brew day, like Arthur saved some of the wort and we went up to the bar and we had our bartender Maria make us some margaritas and I officially started drinking tequila that day. And I mean, <laughs> and we when that beer comes it's out, it's an we important make, day in every man's life. It yeah, really is. I mean, like, we make beer margaritas with that beer. Wow. And I mean, and those things are again like really sneaky. Like you think, oh, beer is only like five percent, you know, throwing it in the mixer, or whatever. But your mixer is alcohol, you know. And, and it, it, it's basically it's like that, like some tequila, a little bit of like sweet lime. I was gonna say you're adding tequila to the beer. That's a, that's amazing. I'm I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's uh, you know we call it. A, How did I get down here? I think it's just like a beer margarita. That's but like, amazing. Yeah, we make it with the with the agave lime and. Um, but yeah, I mean, and actually, uh, we're actually talking to some of the liquor companies um, in the next few weeks we're going to be doing like a jameson flight where it's going to be like a jameson like like three different jamesons paired with like a 12 ounce beer we're still figuring out it might be carrick fergus or stout or it might be the porter i think, but then going into the summer, I think we're going to be doing like a tequila and lima tasting where like, like let me know i'm calling in sick i'm coming <laughs> I'm a, I, I love tequila i'm a big tequila yeah fan, I, so. I mean, you know like i'm more of a whiskey guy but like come summertime like yeah let's do tequila or like gin but I can't drink like cheap tequila. Like I can't nah, drink like that's a poor life Cuervo case. or like like you know. No. I'm not one for like necessarily spending like big money on like liquor at bars, but like when you're drinking tequila, like like my starting point is Hornitos. I mean like that, at, like anything below that as far as quality or taste. It like, gets like nail. Even... It gets like nail polishy when yeah, it's cheap. Yeah, I, yeah. It's like cheap sake, like cheap hot sake. Like you smell it, it literally smells like acetone. It it's smells like, like burning. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it tastes. It smells like, like burning. <laughs> well, Mark. Dude, this this aged so beautifully. Yeah, it really did. It makes me reevaluate which, you know, like I know I joke that your wife is my extra wife and makes me reevaluate which one of you I want. It's one hell of a relationship you guys got going on in this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little bit. I'm definitely the odd man out. (laughs) Yeah, this, This uh, I've had so much stuff from you that I've loved. And this is, I mean, I don't remember. I don't know if I had one. I'm pretty sure I had one of the originals. If I did, this blows it out of the water. Yeah. I, uh, I'm very happy with the way that turned out. And, uh, you know, Paul, we brought you a bottle of the blueberry chili beer. Uh, you know, it's still kind of young in the bottle, but, you know, I would really love to hear some feedback. Oh, yeah, on absolutely. absolutely. Because, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I was thinking about it earlier in the day. Like, by far, I think that is the best thing that I've put together. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I'm, I am honored to have helped. Even in the smallest possible way, it was the kind of the, the what got me started in, in brewing. Really, was doing the first brew day with him, and I had done other brew days with the two of them, and I never paid any attention. I just drank beer, and then this one, I I paid a little more attention. And then when we brewed the the mixer beer for it, because it was a little too tart in the beginning, like I, that's when I went. I went all the way out to uh, homebrew hand grenades and bought stuff and brought it back, and that was like my first real brew day. So I feel like it, I I had a little hand in it, and I'm I'm immensely proud of it so i can only imagine for you like it was your brainchild so yeah well i mean you were the one that came up with the idea of the blueberry and chili together yeah so uh credit is due there but yeah i mean 
you know, as far as that being the first beer that I blended, it being <laughs> sour, and, you know, everything else, like, you know, is by far, I think, my crowning achievement thus far as a home brewer. So, you know, any, uh, when you crack it yeah, open, yeah, any feedback, I would absolutely. appreciate it, Paul. And, uh, you know, also, hopefully next year I'll be able to get some of those second runnings when you do the yeah, uh, dapper yeah. again. You know, like, it always ends up being sometime like around like January and uh, like once I have like a definitive approximate date, I always throw in like a week of, well, something's probably going to go wrong. So we're just going to push it back a week just to make sure <laughs> because, because at the end of the day, especially like, you know, on the homebrew side, there's so much planning as far as work and then being able to like brew it that I don't want it to ever come down to, oh, hey, we can't do it today because this stupid thing broke. You know, it's like I want to have that that setup time and like even and even on that day too it's like i i basically i'm usually not doing like four or five i'm not doing anything like four or five days prior to that because i'm just making sure like nope system's ready fermenters empty like nothing nope we're ready to go all ducks you know? are in a row like, yeah yeah get exactly. all the hurdles out of the way exactly oh. you know and then also try to set it up on a friday or like a friday and saturday brew days since way depending on work schedules like yeah it have makes like it easier for a conventional or an unconventional schedule and the grand scheme of things, like, you should be able to get down in one or two of those days. And, you know, set it up, too, with the home brewers. Like, you know, if you can't make it down that day, bring down a clean, sanitized, ready-to-fill, you know, uh, corny keg with your name on it. We'll fill it up. We'll leave it over to the side. Hook up with the manager. Show your ID. Bring it home. You know, just, you know, and, and you know, so we try to accommodate the home brewers on any level. You possible, definitely do. You know, and, like, you know, I just haven't yet invested the money in a kegging system. So No, it's all good. It's all, But, you know, and, and again, even if you need, like, you know, cornies, you know, for just for, for transporting the wort to go home and actually cook it, you know, we, we have a few of those, too. And even the home brew community, there's always somebody that's got extra vessels that, you know, it's always just, hey, return it clean and we're cool. <laughs> you know, like, but. Well, Paul, thank you so much for sharing a couple guys. of the beers, and we'd love to, you know, get to sample them as much as talk about them. So oh, yeah. thank you very much, man. Until next time, guys. I Cheers. appreciate it. Cheers. If you enjoyed Beertastic Voyage, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to review and rate us. The guys can be found online at www.beertasticvoyage.com, on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash beertasticvoyage and Twitter and Instagram at Beertastic Show, or send them a good old-fashioned email at beertasticvoyage at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and cheers for local beers.